This is Chris. Welcome to episode 193 of X-Lapsed. We are inching ever so close to the milestone episode uh, 200. Now, today we're back in the, uh, well, Chris doesn't know how to read calendars uh, sort of airspace. Uh, We're covering the second part of that Black Cat story that came out in the winter-spring of 2020, but that I thought came out in the winter-spring of 2021. So, better late than ever. Well, better late than never, not ever I don't know where I'm at today Let's get into it This Black Cat, number 10, had a May 2020 cover date Stories called Sleight of Hand, Part 2 Written by Jed McKay, Art Chris Anka Colors Brian Reba, Letters Ferran Delgado Edits Wisniewski, Kohik Low, Sobolski Cover price $4 Went on sale March 4, 2020 Now we open with Cade Kilgore, the story's big bad, staring out the window that Black Cat and Wolverine, or, I mean, Patch, busted out of last issue. And we discussed that back in episode 173. Now, if you recall, Felicia had just stole his super cool shades, which the Hellfire Tot would really like back. The whole gimmick here is that Kilgore swiped a bunch of valuables from Logan's Princess Bar's basement, including a painting which Felicia needs for reasons that we won't be covering on the show. Anyway, from here, we shift our gaze downward as Black Cat and Patch, and I almost called them Black Patch, which for any viewers of Days of Our Lives, or anybody who will admit to watching Days of Our Lives, might recognize as John and Steve's little private eye agency. Anyway, they're plummeting toward the ground, and Felicia fires off her bat, or or cat line. She wraps her legs around Logan's torso and attempts to swing them to safety. Unfortunately for her, Wolverine is a pretty heavy dude on account of all that metal in his body. He tells her he can handle the drop, and so she releases him and swings to safety herself. Black Cat then uses the super cool shades to communicate back to Kilgore to discuss terms of a potential trade. Now, Kilgore is very keen on her actually putting the shades on. She won't. She's just talking at them, basically. Uh, She refuses because she fears that they'll burn her eyes out. Now, this is what we in the biz refer to as a call forward. Felicia tries to pawn the shades off on Wolverine to put on, who also refuses, fearing that they'll burn his eyes out. I wonder what the... I mean, is this the Christmas story? What is this? Black Cat's like, eh, you know, they'll grow back anyway, and Wolverine still ain't feeling it because I would assume it's still not a very pleasant experience. Cade tells the pair that they're on his list, and they're currently being tracked by, like, a ton of dudes. He offers them a deal in which they return the shades and they get to leave Madripoor alive. Felicia's all, nah. She also asks if the, the shades would have burnt her eyes out, which Cade confirms. Remember, this, this is a call forward. We wrap up the scene with Black Cat telling Logan that they're going to go on a merry chase, and she, oh god, has a plan. 
And so, 27 minutes later, Black Cat and Wolverine, in his Wolverine black and tans, he's no longer Patch, they're fighting a gaggle of Frankensteins through the streets of Lowtown. Here, Wolverine seems to have no problem killing the Frankensteins, which uh, Black Cat mentions. Uh, she asks him to kind of qualify that kill-no-man law on Krakoa. Huh, Wolverine doesn't seem to have a problem with it. Maybe he's pretending he's, uh, he's X-Force right now. I don't know. But first, you know, I'm happy somebody is finally pointing out the hypocrisy of the kill no man versus kill no human thing, and we're gonna we're gonna examine this thing in, in future episodes as well, I have a feeling. Second, I gotta ask, do people not living on Krakoa know about these laws? I feel kind of like we might be getting a little meta, you know, like we, the readers know, of course, I mean, we're privy to this stuff, but the average citizen or super in the Marvel Universe, um... Should they know? Do they know? I mean, I really don't know. It reminds me of, like, like those jokes that uh, that comic characters make sometimes, right? Like, someone in the DC universe will talk about, like, Oh, I wonder if glasses are a good secret identity or a good disguise. Because, you know, Clark Kent wearing glasses is really a pretty weak disguise when you get down to it, if you stop to think about it. But the people in the universe aren't supposed to think about it, right? It reminds me of uh, an issue of uh, Mother Panic that uh, we covered on the Young Animal uh, Gatherum a long time back where Mother Panic was commenting that, uh, you know, Batman always has these young kids die around him. Which, I mean, well, in fairness, only one died on him. Well, two if you count Damien, but he was only gone for a minute. But, uh, you know, that's something we readers can point out, but... Once it's uh, something that people inside the comic book universes are pointing out and noticing, it kinda it's hard to put back in the bottle, right? It's uh, something that they it's something that really shouldn't be mentioned because when you mention it, you can't not notice it anymore, and it's hard to it's hard to put it behind you, I suppose. Anyway, from here we follow our duo to the Bloodsport Arena, where they they are very publicly competing in battles with some fight clubbers. As this is going down, Felicia thinks back to a lesson that she and her old friend Tamara Blake learned from their old mentor, the Black Fox. It's all about, uh, well, the title of this little story, Sleight of Hand. Now, Black Fox uses his left hand to engage in all sorts of manner of parlor trick. You know, he's making cards appear, he's making dice appear between his fingers, stuff like that. But the lesson here is... He directed their attention to his left hand, yes? And so, they took their eyes off his right. He reveals that while they were watching the left, he stole their bracelet and watch respectively with his right. And the flashback will make a lot of sense soon enough. That is, if, uh, if you haven't figured it out already. Back to the present, and uh, Wolverine and Black Cat just mopped the floor with the fight clubbers. Logan remarks that this whole endeavor was a bit loud for a cat burglar. You know, they were, she was chanting her name here, people know that she's here. This is a very public spectacle they're causing here, and that will make sense. We soon join the pair on a boat that they steal from a poor fisherman or something. Again, very, very publicly. Uh, then, on the water, they're attacked by the Brothers Grimm, which is a pretty deep cut. I can't remember the last time I saw these two geeks anywhere. Anyway... They want some of that Kilgore Skrilla, so they're here to get the super cool shades back. Wolverine and the cat are then saved by... Deadpool? Okay, why not? Wade confirms that Logan's okay. He's like, hey, you good? And he said, yeah. Then he unloads his pistol into Wolvie's gut. 
You see, Wade's never met a bounty he didn't want to make mad, passionate love to, so he wants this money. Now, just as Deadpool is about to literally blow Logan's mind, the black cat hits the throttle, which sends him flying to the front of the boat, where he is somehow impaled on the bow. Uh, Dude is in full-on Looney Tunes mode here, and uh, I'm not exactly sure how I feel about that. I think I've lost that battle, though. From here, Felicia asks Wolverine to put the super cool shades on Deadpool, after which the heroes dive into the drink. Now, as the boat continues barreling through the bay, Deadpool calmly uh, admits that, yeah, this is pretty bad. But then he suggests that eh, it couldn't get worse, right? And just as he says that, the super cool shades burn his eyes out. Ashore, Wolverine isn't so sure that uh, this was the best idea, you know, to leave their only bargaining chip dangling off Deadpool's nose. But that's the plan, you see. Well, not the Deadpool part, but uh, the super cool shades weren't ever really all that important to Black Cat. They hop on a rickshaw. Felicia tells Logan that her plan is, uh, it's magic. And she suggests that Logan would like it because he's older than dirt. And old people like magic, which, I mean, that's just mean. We shift over to Kilgore, who orders his men to fire a missile at the cat and Logan, and uh, they use the super cool shades as a beacon. And so Deadpool, impaled and with his eyes burned out, he calmly tells himself that, hey, you know, now it possibly couldn't get any worse. Well, uh, there's a, a missile about to hit you, so maybe hold that thought. We wrap up the issue with Black Cat and Wolverine arriving at a location where her buddies, Boris and Bruno, are waiting for them. Now, you see, while Logan and Leisha were uh, making all that racket around Madripoor, her men were able to sneak in and swipe back all of Wolverine's stolen goods. It's sleight of hand, you see. They were paying attention to the wrong people. Now, Kilgore was so focused on his super cool shades that he wasn't paying attention to what the other hand, Boris and Bruno, were doing. Felicia's a bit bummed because uh, not many of Logan's valuables are, uh, well, all that valuable. They're mostly mementos, old letters, correspondence, and such. But there's also that priceless painting, which Logan tells the cat that she's completely welcome to keep. He then hops in a pickup truck and drives out of the issue, and that is where we leave it. We're not going to be following Felicia here, but uh, we can assume that the stolen goods are going to go towards something. Uh, next episode, an issue of S.W.O.R.D. that doesn't have anything to do with King and Black. So uh, it's almost like the second actual issue of this series. How about that? But that's another day. Let's, uh, let's now talk about this Black Cat issue. So yeah, this was a fun issue, wasn't it? Um, this was a fun little two-parter that I only wish I had uh, knew was a thing back in 2020 because we would have talked about it when it was more uh, timely. I suppose it really doesn't matter. It's just a uh, little Wolverine guest appearance two-parter. So anyway, I'm glad we did this one. Um, I wasn't too sure if this was going to warrant uh, two complete episodes, but hey, I had fun. And uh, hopefully you guys did as well. And you know, if uh, time were not a premium, if time were uh, limitless and not a not a not an object, I uh, I would love to jump into the Black Cat series here. This is this is a fun book, um, and it's it's something I think I say every time we dip into a non X book here. I think I maybe subconsciously I hold the X books to like a different sort of expectation where I have to be more analytical toward them and. I have to make those connections that may or may not be there to uh, 
to, you know, link back to things that we've already discussed or see what's being built upon, see what's not being built upon, see what contradicts things. But when we step off into the beaten, off the beaten path here and like we'll cover the Runaways or Power Pack or Black Cat, I feel like I can just, uh, I can, I can kind of let the analytical side to the wayside because I don't expect myself to know everything about these books. Not that I expect myself to know everything about the X-Men, but I mean, we're almost 200 episodes into this. I should know a thing or two (laughs) about these current year X-Men books. It's just, I get confused sometimes. I guess we all do. But when we go off the beaten path here and we talk about things in the broader uh, Marvel universe, it's a different kind of appreciation in that I I can kind of just let myself enjoy, you know? There are things I'm not going to like. There are things I'm going to like. And uh, I think I take it less personally when I'm less invested in the book. Kind of like kind of like here. Even like when we did that issue of Deadpool and we did Gwenpool and we did MODOK. I mean, there were things in there that uh, I was able just to not, you know, not... I don't want to say turn my mind off because that's not the case at all. I was able to turn my nitpicky analytical mind off or maybe just turn it down to, uh, to a 2 instead of an 8. And uh, I find myself enjoying them much more that way. Uh, Savage Avengers was another good example of that. So it's uh, it's one of those things where if I could figure out how to manufacture an extra four or five hours every single day, I would love to add some of these things to, you know, my own reading rotation. Not that we would discuss everything here, but uh, just to, you know, read something that I'm enjoying and not having to, uh, not really having to worry about it. To see how the... The better adjusted of us <laughs> receive and uh, and just uh, you know, uh, what is the word digest comic books where you read it, you spend fifteen twenty minutes on it, and then you're done with it. You know, um, I've talked about the ex lapsed problem where you know these books aren't meant to be sat with for hours and hours upon uh, upon each issue, and that's kind of what I do. I read the issues twice, so there's, you know, a half hour. Then I write about it for probably an hour and a half, two hours. Then I record about it for the better part of an hour or an hour and a half. So it's a lot of time. <laughs> so I would be uh, I would be interested in doing some books that, uh, that aren't going to be um, multitaskers, you know, just something I can read and uh, bag, board, and toss in a box and think about it if I want to think about it. So... I mean, this is silliness, just uh, caviar problems, right? But, hey, they're, they're just things that I think about because, uh, well, I, I think about a lot of things. I can't turn it off. Um, but let's talk about the issue. The issue was a lot of fun here. The sleight-of-hand gimmick actually paid off here. Uh, we got the second appearance of Tamara What's-Her-Face. So, I mean, if you want to bag and board this one, slab it. Uh, this is the second appearance of Tamara... Whatever the hell her name is We'll fi- we'll find out a little bit more about Tamara in just just a little bit But uh, yeah, this is the second time we see her And uh, we get the little callback to Black Fox uh, Giving the training on Sleight of Hand Which I thought really paid off beautifully here um, And it was subtle, you know uh, Because it wasn't completely obvious what they were doing until the reveal It was just like, it's like, well, Wolverine's calling her out for being a little loud And uh, she's like, don't worry about it and then you find out that that's exactly what she wanted to do. She wanted to be loud to, she wanted to get the attention. She wanted Cade Kilgore to be, you know, all eyes on them, 
while her, uh, you know, her Boris and what's his face could go in and uh, do what needs done. So I thought that was really cool. Uh, Wolverine's uh, valuables being letters and uh, and missives and uh, correspondence. I like that. That's one thing about Wolverine that I'm kind of a sucker for. Uh, the fact that. You know, so little was known about his past And then, you know, we knew about his past Then he forgot about his past It's, you know, Swiss cheese So it stands to reason that he would uh, hold on to things like this It kind of contradicts what happened in Wolverine's solo book recently Where he came across the Team X stuff and burnt it Or allowed it to burn But I'm almost definitely thinking a little too hard on that But... Really, really fun issue. I like the Deadpool appearance. Um, Deadpool, I know people are tired of Deadpool. Um, I I like seeing his guest appearances. I like him in... I would say I like him in small doses, but I, I actually do enjoy the current uh, Deadpool series, which feels like it goes several months between issues. I, I wonder if it's even still ongoing. I, I couldn't say. I don't think we've... Discussed one in the solicits Not that we would go deep on a Deadpool book Unless it were X-relevant But, uh, yeah It feels like that book goes several months Between installments But I, I dug seeing him here Despite the fact that he is, you know, Wiley Coyote uh, I thought it was fun It was fun, it was funny So that was pretty cool The call forward about, uh, you'll burn your eyes out That was, that was pretty funny too I like the way that paid off It was, uh I mean, we're talking about eyes being burned out And it was still relatively light You know, it was pretty funny So I think this is a fun book If I haven't said that enough here And if you are Black Cat curious I can't speak for the current series Uh, It is in volume 2 now I think legacy number like 12 or 13 or something like that It's something ridiculous like that But uh, it is about to go into some sort of uh, Infinity-related crossover event So... I don't know if it's the best time to jump in right now um, But this first volume is uh, is Aces I picked up uh, the first couple of issues Haven't read them yet But I am definitely looking forward to Discovering that extra couple hours of the day And uh, finally digging in But that's all I really got to say about this issue Light reading, a lot of fun uh, The art was very, very nice uh, just, a, just a fun little romp And uh, if you're in the mood for a fun little romp, you could do far worse. So definitely check this one out. I'm I'm almost certain that it's on Marvel Unlimited since it is, relatively speaking, ancient. You know, it is over a year old, so it's almost got to be on Marvel Unlimited. Anyway, with all that said, let's hop into the mailbag here. We're going to start with Damien, who's talking about Marauders number 18. He says, well, I'm back to time traveling, having exhausted Marvel Unlimited. I'm jumping forward to books I actually bought and read when they were released. Now, it's interesting how much of your attention focused on the possibility that Emma knows that Maura is alive. Okay, now this is in light of uh, Emma opening up the Maura McTaggart Hospital on Madripoor. And uh, there's a statue of Maura, and she's wearing her blossom hat like she did in that scene in, uh, in I think it was Powers of X number one. And uh, Xavier and Magneto are in the crowd. She made sure they were in the crowd to see this reveal, and they were both kind of gobsmacked. And Emma was like, ha that's the reaction I wanted. So my thoughts immediately went to, she knows something, right? She almost has to know something. Now, Damien continues... That was an element of the story that completely passed me by, but it's definitely a possibility. 
All your speculation about Emma and Magneto has a different implication here in the future where we know that the Hellfire Gala is followed by the trial of Magneto. Maybe he tries to kill Emma to keep Mora's secret, but accidentally kills a human, which would break the law of Krakoa. That is certainly a possibility. That is absolutely a possibility, and uh, now I'm almost certain that that's probably probably what's going to happen there. Because, I mean, there had to be a reason why we had that scene in the beginning of this issue of Marauders, right? And Magneto in a couple of books now, has been talking about the laws of Krakoa and how they need to be a nation of laws. And they're really, really leaning into this. And Magneto and Emma, they did work together to get the island, the Faroe Island or whatever, where I believe the Hellfire Gala has taken place. I could be mistaken. <laughs> it might be in Krakoa. I don't know. Maybe they changed their minds, and which would kind of make the uh, giant-sized Magneto a little bit pointless, but, uh, hey, you know, we've we've read more pointless things, I suppose, but I do wonder if this is the way it's going. Everything seems very, very calculated, right? And, uh, I mean, we know Duggan is taking over the flagship book after the gala, right? And Duggan wrote this, so maybe he's setting a table for, uh, for himself here. It's, it's going to be interesting. And Damien continues, I was grateful for you adding the Mora elements to this story, as I'm not a fan of Madripoor stories. Yeah, me either. (laughs) I just find them to be dull, particularly when they start getting into the politics of the place. Of course, we're probably going to see lots of stories set there after the online reaction to its appearance in the Falcon and Winter Soldier TV show, which seemed to excite a lot of people online. I didn't watch it. Well, I didn't either. I mean, I'm sure that's a huge surprise to folks who've been listening to this program, but uh, yeah, I don't watch the shows. And I didn't know that Madripoor was showing up there, so... Yeah, we're probably going to get more stuff there. Hopefully, you know, the Avengers are stealing a bunch of X stuff, right? I mean, they took the Phoenix already, right? Maybe, uh, I mean, they took Alpha Flight, didn't they? Alpha Flight's basically a S.H.I.E.L.D. analog now, so maybe they could take Madripoor. Let's get Jason Aaron on the line. Maybe uh, maybe the next uh, Avengers can be, you know, they could take over Madripoor for us and just take it off our, take it off our table for a bit. Damien continues. It seems a shame that a series that started with the premise that it could go anywhere has been stuck in Madripoor so often. That's true, and that's something I hadn't even thought of um, until I read that uh, that sentence there. Um, yeah, the whole premise of the Marauders is that they're on the high seas, right? That was basically the mission statement. They could go anywhere. They're going to be, you know, traveling the world, working with uh, trade and delivering drugs and picking up refugees and... It seemed like it was going to be a wide-open sort of a book where anything can happen. We could run into anybody. And, yeah, this is issue 18. I I figure basically all of them, except for the X-10 stuff, has been Madripoor-related, hasn't it? It is a shame. That is a shame. Damien wraps up with, Anyway, until Mask starts a weight loss clinic, make mine X-lapsed. It's an operation I don't think I'd want to see. I mean, we've seen him touch people and have their skin go all weird, and uh, he's uglyified people, and now he's prettying people up, but still, he's got to touch them, and it gets all kind of ugh. But uh, thank you so much for writing in about that issue of Marauders and uh, letting me talk about the weird Mora speculation again, because uh, that... uh, 
That was one of those, uh, you know, for, for long-time listeners of the show, that was, to me, a shoe drop. You know, that shoe dropped, and I want more. So uh, that's definitely a good thing. Next up, we have a note from Evan telling us about King in Black number four, because King in Black number four, if you're not aware, has the X-Men on the cover. And uh, I wondered if this meant anything, and I flipped through it at the store, but... You know, to flip through it in a store nowadays, you gotta, like, take it out of the bag because all new releases come in bags and boards, at least in my neck of the woods. So I feel weird doing that, like taking it out and flipping through it and dirtying it up, especially if I'm not gonna buy it. So I did, like, a real quick flip, you know, and I saw Jean in there and, like, she was talking to, like, a young kid, but I didn't actually read it. I just looked, you know, and I wondered, is this something we ought to cover? And I was hoping the answer would be no, (laughs) but it looks like... It looks like we might be covering King in Black number four. Of course, we will do it in grand X-lapsed fashion where it will be completely irrelevant and off of everybody's minds, but Evan says the following. King in Black number four doesn't have the X-Men on the cover by accident. They play a major role. But I'm not sure how it would work as an episode because it drops right into some heavy new Venom mythos. And while the X-Men do play a vital role, it's them impacting another story. It doesn't appear to have many, if any, ramifications on Krakoa and the other X titles. Anyway, just some food for thought. I thought it was a heck of a read. And yeah, maybe we will take a look at that. Um, You know, I I love the cover. I think it was that Ryan Stegman who did the cover. I just think that cover looks awesome. And uh, I I wanted to pick it up simply because of the cover, but I I just couldn't justify, you know, dropping $5 for something I could see anytime I Google it. (laughs) You know? But uh, if this does have to do with, uh, if the X-Men do play a vital role in it, I can, I can excise the Venom stuff if we don't need it. And uh, we could just talk about what the X-Men do, because uh, that is kind of uh, what we do here. So I will keep an eye out for that, and uh, I will try to fit it into the schedule. Couldn't say when it'll happen, but uh, we'll get to it. We will get to it and take a look and uh, expand on our... King in Black. I gotta remember where I put that King in Black uh, template for the cover art. I think it's. I think I moved it to a different folder. I'll have to dig it out. <laughs> but that's that's behind the scenes stuff that nobody cares about. Now, thank you so much for the information there, Evan, uh, and thank you for pointing us in the direction there and kind of taking the hit. Uh, you you read it so I didn't have to and told me that I should. So we will. <laughs> anyway, that's the mailbag. We have a very very short fake-ass comics history segment right now where we're going to take a look at the life and times of Tamara Blake. (sighs) Now, her first and only other appearance was in Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man Annual Number 4. That was 1984. She was created by Bob DiNatale and Ron Randall. Now, you ready for this? Tamara Blake was a friend of Felicia's who had also been trained by Black Fox. In the Spidey Annual, Felicia and Peter were having a date night. Felicia realized that her wine carafe was missing. It turns out, after a merry chase, that Black Cat discovers that Tamara stole it. Everything winds up hunky-dory, and Tamara joins Peter and Felicia for dinner. And and that's it. And she showed up here. So, uh, there you have it, folks. Tamara Blake, The Life and Times. And uh, I think 
that's all I got for you today. If uh, you guys would like to write in, say hi, do whatever, please feel free to do so. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics. You can find me on Instagram at 90sXmen. Or you can shoot me an email over to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. You can find blog posts and show notes over at chrisoninfiniteearths.com. You could join us on Facebook. Our little group is 90sXmen on Facebook. And uh, for all your Chris and Reggie comics commentary listening needs, you can head to chrisandreggie.podbean.com. Available anywhere the internet aggregates noise. And if you like what you hear, or at least appreciate the effort behind it, I would love for you to spread the word, share the show, tell a friend or two, and have them tell a friend or two. It would really, really mean a lot to me. Anyway, that is where we'll leave it. I want to thank you all so much for sharing a little bit of your day with me. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya. See ya.